It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. For SEN America, this is the SEN NBA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SEN NBA podcast. I'm your host, Luke Sakari. Sitting alongside me today, who's a bit, he's, he's, he's banged up. You know, he's, yeah. it seems like he's coming off a back to back, you know, fourth game in five nights, Chris De Silva. How are you feeling? What is the problem? Uh, I'm day to day at the moment, man. Just uh, got hit with a with a cold last night and uh, just t- toughing it through at the at the moment, man. It's a bit of a struggle. So but this is the flu podcast. This is this is my flu game. <laughs> this is your flu uh, game. This is my flu game. I'm about to drop forty five today. So it might not be Jordan esque, but it's going to be close enough because yeah. you're just not feeling great. Chris Tyler's here as well, but he's not going to be as involved as always. We're getting onto something real. I'm really excited for this episode. Yeah. So yeah, we're wait. about at the quarter point of the season or just past the quarter point of the season officially. Yep. You'd say quarter points about 25 games in for each team, which means it's a great time to go look at our trimester awards. So we're pretty much going to go through all the awards from MVP, from coaches to most improved to defensive players, all of them. We're yep. going to go through our top three players for each award, talk about it, debate. It's going to be a load of fun. If you just want to get involved at SCN America, I'm at Luke Sakari. He's at C to Silver 23. If you disagree, agree with any of our rankings. Hit us up. Exactly. We're going to start off with the big one, the MVP. Yes. Now, the way we'll do this, I can, I'll say my top three. You say your top three. Okay. And then we'll discuss. So, for my MVP, I got West, Russell Westbrook first, LeBron James second, James Harden third. Okay. So, I've got the same three in a different order. I've got right. Harden first, uh, Westbrook second. And LeBron James third. All right, so we'll start at the top. Yeah. So I've I've got Westbrook first. You know, he's you wrote about it for believe the hype this week that yeah. you almost can't put into words anymore what you he's doing. You can't. You know, he's averaging a triple double. His usage rate is like plus forty. Yeah. I think it is. It would be the greatest of all time, wouldn't it, or the highest? It's, anyway. Yeah. It's it, it's it's higher than um, any of the. I mean, we when we talk about Russell Westbrook, the player you compare him to is Iverson in terms of his usage. And um, if you have a look at Iverson's peak Philadelphia Sixers teams, that this Thunder team has actually been compared to, Westbrook's blowing it out of the water. Yeah, um, and I in think, terms of usage. Yeah, and second on the all-time usage rate list is I think it was Kobe's yeah. season after Shaq. Did he reach 40 that season? Uh, let me have a look, man. I'm not too uh, sure. It was really close. It might have been 39, 38. But anyway, I've got Westbrook first because, you know, it's interesting, right? I think it's not since Carl Malone. Oh, maybe not Carl Malone. I can't remember. But it's not since, I think, the early, the late 80s when a player outside of a team who didn't finish in the top three in their respective conference won the MVP. Yeah. But I feel like this year, that could change. Could be a outlier. If Westbrook averages a triple-double, you can't ignore that. You can't say, oh, well, 
the Thunder finished fifth in the West, so we can't give him the MVP because it's not one, two, three. They finished fifth, so we can't give him it. I don't think you do that. Not if he averages a triple double, man. Like, and you know, we talk about MVP. We talk about who's the most valuable to their team, who means the most. Well, literally, when the, when he's off the court, like the Thunder fall apart. You know, yeah. when he's off the court, they're getting outscored by eleven point nine points per hundred possessions, which, which is, is a horrible <laughs> rate. It's horrible. Yeah. When he's on the court, they're outscoring teams by six points per hundred possessions, which is indicative of a playoff team. You know, a top, yeah. a home court playoff team. Yeah. But then again, like you've got Harden second, and you can't really debate that either. Like these guys are interchangeable. I mean, yeah, they really are. And we talk about Harden, and and I've mentioned, I, I said, disgusted in the you're wrong that I was your the yeah, my you're wrong week. last yep, week. Yep. Um, for I I did not think the Rockers would be this good, and they're so far they they've if the playoffs were to start now, they've they'd be a four seed, yeah, um, equal third with the Clippers. They're They've got the longest winning streak in the NBA with uh, seven, seven wins in, in a row. December. Yeah, Haven't lost the game this nine week. and one in their last ten, yeah. and it's all because of Harden. He's really D'Antoni's made him the hub now. He's he was shooting awesome at the start of the year. That's kind of dropped off, but his production still hasn't. Twenty eight points, eleven point six rebounds a game, PR of twenty twenty seven point eight five, which historically is. Amazing. Eleven point six assists, not rebounds. Assists, sorry, yeah. my bad. Yeah. And he has seven point seven yeah. rebounds. So he's filling up the stat sheet just like Westbrook is. Um maybe not as many rebounds, but still our outstanding season. And it's really interesting as well. So obviously before the season you had Dan Tony uh proclaiming Harden and his as his new point guard. I mean, in reality, he was always kind of the point guard on that team because he always had the ball in his hands first. He was always bringing the ball yeah. up and then either creating for himself or for his teammates. You know, this is still a guy who last year, he averaged about seven assists anyway. Yeah. So, like, he still passed the ball last year, but he just plays a lot of isolation. This year, it's almost the same thing. He's still playing a lot of isolation, but he's being more efficient. He's surrounded by better players. He's got the weapons this year. Yeah, surrounded yeah. by better players, which is a credit to um, their GM and their coach, who two people will touch on a bit later on yep. in the podcast. And you just feel like he's he's taken it to another level. He's he's embraced himself. He's, almost, he's, he's embraced his own abilities. Yeah, He's like, I can be the best player in the world. I mean, and, and he believes that. Yeah. He he believes that like he's not just saying that for f- just for the media to see and just for the f- he believes. Yeah. He literally believes he's the best player in the league and the best point guard in the league. And to be honest, Luke, he he's played like it so far. And you talk about the switch that uh Dan Tony said in the preseason that James Harden's going to be my point guard this year. I think while we when he said that, we were like, "Duh, obviously, yeah. obviously, like yeah. Harden, he's it's it's a cosmetic change." But when it's a different thing, when when the shooting guard controls the ball this much, media and fans start to say, "Well, why isn't your point guard doing it?" But when your point guard's doing it, and your point guard's having the ball in his hands and facilitating as much as Harden is doing this season, people don't have a problem with it. And I think that's. Also allowing Harden to be more comfortable because he's suddenly not being criticised like he was last year, and he's able to do do what he does best. Yeah, it's almost it's changed the perception of him. Yeah, it's changed the perception of when he has the ball in his hand. Like you said, when he has the ball in his hand so often, it doesn't. He's it doesn't expected matter. to do it. He's now. the point guard. He's right? expected. You're to do meant it. to do that. Yeah, and. And even defense, even, even defensively, like yeah. I haven't seen a vine of Harden this no. year. <laughs> well, like, Vine is dying. If so you don't see a, if you don't see a vi- 
this is this is my rule on James Harden defense. All right. If you don't see a bad video of James Harden defense, it means he must be playing good defense, right? Because <laughs> people think- are not people aren't gonna like video Harden and say, "Look at this awesome defense from Harden." No, that's it's, right. They'll video him if he's being really bad. No, so that's may, a true point. He's probably being good. And you also don't know how much Dan Tony saying that you're the point guard has helped him mentally as well. Oh, it's just it, that that internal. It's one of those things that's Im- impossible to quantify and put in numbers, but. It's it's definitely it's a the mental side, definitely and of factor. course the other guy we had was LeBron, sports person think, of the year. Yeah, sports person of the year. Not much has to be said. I think to me this year, the thing that I've noticed the most about LeBron that's maybe been a bit different or just not different but improved, he just controls the game so much more. Like he's yeah. always controlled the game, but he literally has the pulse of Cleveland games. You know, <laughs> he dictates the way they play. He almost dictates the way the opposition plays in a way. When he has the ball, if he's being aggressive, the whole team's being aggressive. Yep. If he's laying off a little bit, the whole team's laying off. He just controls so much. He's the he's ultimate tone setter, man. And, yeah. Uh, you talked about his um, ability to control the pace of a game. And you see it. I think we've seen it in the past two years when whenever they played Golden State. Because Cleveland has constant, uh, consciously made an effort to slow the game down and really slow the Warriors down and get them out of their... You know, space, space and pace, uh, run and gun style of offense, and they're the only team in the league that I think in the last two, two to three years that has been able to do that to Golden State, and that's purely because of LeBron James. It's not because of anyone else on that roster, and he's kind of a dark horse in the MVP race. Like he started off slowly, kind of uh, facilitating, you know, getting making sure Kevin Love who's had a fantastic start as well, Kyrie Irving, getting all those guys comfortable. And now I feel like he's starting to make his own MVP push. I mean, this week, the game against Charlotte, the 44-point game, he was just... It was incredible. It was uh, incredible. Unbelievable. And he's shooting the three well this year. Yeah, which is just above league average. 36.5%. Yeah, which opens up a whole new dimension of his game. Which is massive for his game and... I think it was Kyrie Irving mentioned it because he, uh, LeBron hit five threes against uh, Charlotte this yeah. week, and Kyrie said, "When when when LeBron's hitting his three or his jumper, you can't guard him. Nah, how it do you stop opens him? up a whole new dimension of his game. Opens up the driving lanes as well. Yeah, moving on to our next one. We're moving on the coach of the year at the moment. So my one, two, three. As of right now, the coach of the year, I've got Mike D'Antoni of the Houston Rockets. Yep. in first, I've got Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors in second. And David Fisdale of the Memphis Grizzlies in third. So I've got, I've got uh, Fisdale one. Yep. Uh, Tyron Lue two. Yep. Uh, and D'Antoni three. All right. So we'll start off with D'Antoni. Yep. I've got number one. Yep. And it's kind of off the back of what we spoke about with Harden before. So I felt like when they hired D'Antoni, it was excellent because um, he almost, he, he enhances their strengths. He highlights what they're best at, which is running... And offense like that, the Rockets. You can only coach to your personnel. So everyone says, "Oh, why'd they hire Dan Tony? You know, he's going to make their defense worse." Well, no, it doesn't matter. You could have hired Tom Thibodeau. You could have hired the best defensive coach ever. Well, not ever, but you know what I'm saying. One of the best defensive coaches on the market. Yeah. If you don't have the personnel to match, it's not going to be a good defensive team. So you can only coach to your personnel, and that's what Dan Tony's doing. He's coaching this team with a with a transcendent offensive talent in James Harden. He has got the players he wants around him with guys like Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson and people like that. And he's making this team an offensive juggernaut. 
And he's, it's another thing as well. He's changed the culture there. Like last mm. year, this was a team that was so dysfunctional. And they just seemed angry at each other. Yeah. Like, they were never happy. They almost turned into a feel-good story. Like, yeah. I want to watch the Rockets play. It seems like they enjoy playing. So, for me, I reckon Dan Tony, and they've got good wins as well. They've got quality wins. They've got a good resume. You know, they've beaten people like Golden State, San Antonio, OKC, Boston. They've beaten good teams. Good, so, road, the good road wins as well. Yeah. I mean, they survived double overtime in Oracle. So, like... <laughs> I was watching that game, like, these guys, how... I was expecting him to blow it yeah. at any stage, and they just wouldn't. Yeah, and even a guy like Clint Capella is playing, like, a most improved game. Yeah, like, he's and... He's playing really good, too. You mentioned the the joy, and I think last year, especially Harden, he just lost the joy for, for playing the game. And mostly, I mean, other players were probably um, affected as well, but definitely him. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't to his style, and he always had the... Almost a shadow of Dwight Howard and uh, and all that drama. And yeah. uh, this season, I think, like you said, Dan Tony's come in and he's he's not kidding himself. He's not a good defensive coach. He's no. And if he's not been for what he's been ten years now as a coach, yeah. maybe maybe even more. You're not going to become a I mean, defensive mastermind overnight. Exactly. And he changed off the way offensive basketball exactly. was played with the seven seconds or less Suns team in the mid two thousands. And now, I think and I think on. this. This Houston Rockets team is a bit of a, a souped-up version of that. Yeah, with, yeah. With Harden being the Steve Nash. Yep. And it, when you talk about elite teams in the league, right, You, I mean, there's a handful of teams that are elite on both ends of the floor. But generally, if you're elite, and when I'm talking elite, I mean like top five. Yep. In either defense or offense, you're going to be a good team. You're going to win games. And for the Rockets, all they have to do is be average and not... not Totally suck defensively. Yeah, and I think they're about what look 21st at the or they 20th in the league at the moment in defensive efficiency. They're 20th. So yeah, which is almost fine. If they're between 15 and 20 with a top five offense, that's a really good yeah. team suddenly. Yeah, you can make the conference finals. Yeah. Definitely. Now, moving on to another coach we both agreed with was David Fisdale, the yes. Memphis Grizzlies. Yes. It almost, to me, it seems like it's a Memphis thing. Like, no matter who coaches the Grizzlies, you know you're going to deal with a bunch of injuries, yeah. but you're going to win anyway. I mean, some of the players that they've missed, Chandler Parsons, their big money signing, so oh, only God. played six games. Mike Conley's on the sideline long-term. Zach Randolph has missed time due to a personal issue. Tony Allen's missed time. Troy Daniels has missed time. James Ennis. All these, yeah, guys, yeah. Have, these guys have missed time, but, like, they're 17-8. and eight. They're there. Like, we, like, we, we it's said... It's ridiculous. And they've won their last six. Um, now I don't know if they'll win today. They're currently down fifteen as yeah. we as as we record this to the Cavaliers uh, to the Cavs. But and uh, they're also missing Marcus. So we we need to say yeah. he was playing outstanding. He, he's he's, he's, he's playing, one that's he's real, playing MVP caliber he's in basketball. That MVP discussion absolutely. Um, but I know you, Luke. I know you're a wrestling fan, so you appreciate this. <laughs> I was thinking about you know which wrestler do, do, are the Grizzlies like. They're like the Undertaker, man. You They're know, like he, the Undertaker. They he, just he, they just get buried alive <laughs> time and time again on every. Well, the Undertaker buries people alive. Yeah, he's the one. He does the burying. But so you're saying Memphis. But you know, you know how Undertaker sits up out of the cas- casket. Yeah, that, that's okay. It's like Zebo sitting in a casket. <laughs> he just. So you're saying up. the Grizzlies are just always dead. When you think they're dead, they're, they're they, back. They resurrect. They resurrect. And now um, they're, they're what fifth in the conference or fourth in the conference? Fifth, like they're ahead of teams that we. Th- you know, people are so high on the Trailblazers and and Utah and 
granted Utah has had injuries now, but so, so has Memphis. Memphis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, That's the whole point. Like, what do you say? Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's a small sample size. Like, like you no. said, we're a quarter of the way There's into the season. the reason we're doing this now and not so, a month ago. Uh, props to Fizz, man. And, yeah. and I think the way this is this has been underrated for me because Memphis, when you talk about Memphis for the, for the past what, five, six years, it's always been grit, grind, defense. Yeah. Which That's it still been, is. They're still first in the league in still, defensive still their, efficiency and they're second in defensive but, rebounding. But rate. he's switched it up a little bit. He has a become bit. a bit more offensively uh, playing in this in this decade of basketball yeah. as, as opposed to playing a 90s offense, yeah. which they did in the past. Exactly. And I think the two the other two coaches that we disagreed on, we don't really need to spend a lot of time on. I'll quickly go with Steve Kerr for me. I know it's easy to say, like, oh, look at the team he's got. Like, you know, like my grandma could go coach that team <laughs> to a win. I think he deserves recognition for the way he's gotten them to mesh so quickly. Like, I always thought they were going to be amazing. I didn't know if they were going to get off to an amazing start, but they have, you know. I think... Like, you had to deal with the um, the egos of, like... I mean, obviously, those guys don't have massive egos, but if you're an all-star, if you're an MVP, it's only natural you're going to have an ego. So guys like, you know, Draymond and Duran and Curry and Clay, he's gotten them to mesh so quickly together and play winning basketball and have fun together. Like, the, the joy is still there when I watch Golden State, so I think Steve Kerr deserves some props. I mean, I, yeah, don't, for sure. I don't expect... For sure. I mean, maybe he wins the award... If the voters get lazy and just I'd be vote surprised, for the teams, yeah. But I, I can just see win. what you're saying. But I, I, I think the way he's gotten them to... Because we've seen super teams that have failed before. Oh, yeah. Oh, I reckon he deserves recognition. Yeah. Well, why did you put Ty Lue? Two words, Kevin Love. Now, <laughs> um, he's been so criticized these past two years as, as Kevin Love. Um, you know, why isn't he rebounding? Why isn't he averaging 26 and 12? Why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he playing defense? And T. Lou, and that was for me one of the major failings of David Blatt as a coach was his ability to make make Kevin Love feel wanted and and almost like he was using Kevin Love as an over qualified spot up shooter, which, which yeah. Kevin Love's game was so much more than that. And now he's come in and he immediately came in, and we can go back to last season when he came in and there's like it's like we mentioned with Houston, these guys. They're just having fun, enjoying the game, yeah. and you see him now having doing the bottle flip at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> and you absolutely, know, got, you know, doing doing all going to World Series games uh, earlier in the season. They're just having fun, like, and I think it's it's a uh, testament to T. Lou as a coach in instilling that um, their culture and yeah, just a culture of fun and accountability as well. Yeah, and like you think about these guys. They're going to World Series games drinking alcohol during the season. <laughs> like, just, it's, it's crazy. Man, this team. So, moving on from the coaches of the year, you know, there's a lot of good coaches out there. Going on to Rookie of the Year, and there's yeah. not a lot of good candidates for this one, you know. I think there's one that it's pretty unanimous, you know, Joel Embiid. It's, there's really no debate. My boy. He's, like, I, I honestly... AKA the process. The process. We should refer to it as the process and not Embiid. Yes. But to me, <laughs> I'm amazed at how how good he looks this early. This early, yeah. Like, I did not expect him to come in and be averaging 18 and 7 and yeah. just ripping 2. teams 2. apart. 2.5 blocks. Yeah. He's looked so good. Like, I, I want him to pull back a little bit on the three-point shot because he's not a great three-point shooter. I, I mean, he's averaging but... 44%. Yeah, but I want to see him down low. He's I know you so do, but good. I mean, when you're hitting 44%, like... Yeah, but 
I just I it's not like him. it's not like he's like um like Westbrook who's takes takes massive amounts of three point three pointers and averages thirty percent. Yeah, right. Like I just I want him to. I get what you're saying. I, 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 get... I watch him and he's so beautiful. His footwork oh. is so beautiful in a low post. Yeah. <laughs> when I see him shoot a free, I'm like, big man, I know you can hit him, but get back to your home. I think get still, back down low. Because he's averaging 13 shot attempts a game and only three of them are threes. So I, right. I think it's all right. But um, yeah, it's just, I know what you're saying because he's so beautiful <laughs> down on the low block. It's like, um, I can't remember who it was against. Um, I think it might have been... Utah or right, Utah or Miami. He was playing against a big time center. So go bear or wide. Go bear or yep. wide side. One of those two. One of those caliber centers. And okay. He gave him a dream shake and finished it with the and one, and it was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and he gestured to the crowd and did what he does. And, yeah. And he's. I love the fact that he's such a showman as well. He's a and showman. He's and just he, not shy. He. You can tell when you have a player getting really frustrated that he's not playing minutes because there's no restriction. There was a game earlier in the year where they went to double overtime yeah. and he couldn't play double overtime because of his minutes and he's kicking stuff on the bench. <laughs> that shows he cares, though. It shows he wants to this, play. This kid just wants to play basketball. That's so important. He just like I don't. I honestly don't think he cares about the fame and all that. No, he just wants to play basketball. Yeah, and he's been deprived for two years, and now we're seeing all that frustration come out in a good way yeah um for him i think one thing one place where he can improve is sometimes facilitating because when the ball goes to him when he gets doubled down yeah it's a bit of a black hole Uh, so he doesn't think it's probably because he doesn't trust his teammates (laughs) um but he's been outstanding i guess the only question with him be it is if his minutes continue to be limited and say he sits out some more games does that hurt his chances if he doesn't play as many games, I don't think it does because I don't think there's any standout. Yeah, him. like for, for but it's something to monitor. For it to hurt him, there has to be someone to come up, and there has maybe it'll really be Ben been... Simmons in January. But anyway, yeah. number two for me is Jamal Murray, and number three is Malcolm Brogdon. Who have you got in your next two? I had Dario Saric, yeah, and uh, Jamal Murray. Okay, so we'll start off with Murray, who we've agreed with. He yep. was up; he's been up and down shooting wise. I mean, he started off in a horrible slump, then he had a hot stretch. And now he's kind of in another slump again. But to me, he's shown this is a guy that can score in bunches. 10 of his first 25 games, he's scored in double digits. So he's pr- his jump shot's beautiful. He's yeah. a, just an unbelievable shooter. So to me, he's proven he can be a scorer on a team like Denver that need, you know, as as interesting as their young core is, they need someone who can take over games on the offensive end. Yeah. Murray can do that. And he's not afraid. Nah, he, he's going to take the big shots. So to me, Jamal Murray's been a guy that, personally, I expected Buddy Hield to be yeah, the guy. He's been he's been I probably expect, one of the biggest disappointments. I expected Hield to be the guy that plays great immediately, and then Jamal Murray takes a while to catch up because I think Jamal's like nineteen and Buddy's twenty two or twenty three. Yeah, it's it's been the opposite. So you wonder if the Pelicans are kind of. Uh, kicking themselves over that kick. Probably not kicking themselves. It's very early. Still and Buddy Hill shows some signs as well. Yes. But I've got Murray there. We both agree on him. For me, Malcolm Brogdon, this is a rookie that when he has the ball in his hand, it seems like good things happened. When he's on the court, the Bucks are outscoring teams by 3.2 points per 100 possessions. When he's off the court, they're actually being outscored. So that shows the impact he makes on winning. And he makes really nice passes. He's such a good yeah. playmaker. And his turnovers are low. So this is a rookie that's come in. He doesn't turn the ball. At, what do you, I always say it whenever I'm talking about 
backup point guards. Yeah. I say I want a guy that can play make, that's efficient and, and take, doesn't turn the yeah. ball over. Brogdon ticks all those boxes yeah. and it's he's a rookie. So for me, Malcolm Brogdon's been great. You had yeah. Dario Saric. I had I had Saric and um I think he's just been again, I'm I'm really I don't know if attracted is the right word, because that's a bit weird. <laughs> but um I really like players who when they come in, they're not like a deer in the headlights and not scared. And I think Saric is another one of these guys, kind of that MB Jamal Murray mo- uh, mold, um, where they're just not scared at the moment. And maybe for Saric, it's because he's played pro ball in Spain. He's played for Croatia in the Olympics. We saw him make a big-time block on Gasol uh, yeah. late, late in the game in the Olympics. And shooting 39% from three... Um, Still needs to be a little bit better, a little bit more polished. He's still very raw, um, but he can really be one of those do-it-all kind of forwards that can play either the three or the four. He's got good size, 6'10". Um, so, yeah, I just like his game. Yeah, and moving on to the next award. We're going to get to this a bit quicker now because we are running out of a bit of time. Most improved player of the year. I mean, I think we've both got Giannis Antetokounmpo number one. It's Have you got him number one? No. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I thought you did. I thought it was obvious, but because to me, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> when I look at Giannis, like, because you look at the most improved, look at the players who have won the most improved previously: Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kevin Love, CJ McCollum. It's almost guys that become all stars, yep. the all star caliber players. So last season, Giannis was at sixteen point nine points. This season, that's twenty two point three. Last season, seven point seven rebounds. This season, eight point nine. Last season, four point three assists. This season, five point nine. Last season, 1.4 blocks and 1.2 steals. This season, 2.2 blocks and 2 steals in both categories. Yep. He's taken a quantum leap to all-star status. The things he does on the court are just like... We spoke a bit about him last week. It's amazing. He's yeah. incredible the way he glides through defenses. His strides are enormous. He's a monster defensively. To me, he's, he's number one. Wait, Who's you got number one? I've got Kimber Walker. Um, okay. So another player who's kind of in the mold that you're saying hasn't made as big of a leap, I think, as Giannis has, but I think he should be an all-star this year. Um, and this Charlotte team lives and dies by this guy. Like when he's when he's playing well, they'll be in games and win. And when they when he doesn't, when he has a bad game here and there, they're not even close. And he's having by far and, and the knock on Kemba Walker has been his shooting throughout his career. He's a Thirty-four percent three-point shooter on his career, yeah. and so far he's shot forty-one percent from three. That's elite, which is which elite. is elite, and opens up his game completely. Yeah, and where suddenly because he's so quick, you know, he can get to the basket at any time, and he's always been able to do that, and he's converting at a better rate there as well because he has that three-point three-point uh, weapon now. So he has to keep defenses on us. So that's yeah. why I I pick Kemba. All right, have you got Giannis on your list? No, I, 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 I just made a blue. don't have Giannis on your list. I'm wrong. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm wrong. You don't have Giannis yeah, on your I list. Yeah, I had TJ Warren and uh, Harrison Barnes. Okay. Well, I've got Avery Bradley and Sean Kilpatrick. Yeah. So they're completely different. <laughs> um, moving on to six man of the year. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say this is obvious because I feel it's obvious, but maybe it's not obvious because I thought most improved obvious was as well, but obviously it wasn't. <laughs> I got Lou Williams. Same. Okay. So, so it is obvious. Got, yeah. He's the, you hear so many people say they want offensive spark plugs off the bench. They yep. want a guy that can come in and provide energy give you buckets and give you away. buckets. 
Man, Lou Williams is averaging 19 points a game. That's his, that's a and, starter and you know, type. You know what I like? Because sometimes people talk, and people get it confused. They talk about getting buckets off the off the bench, and efficiency goes out of the window. They, they don't matter. Like, for instance, I feel like I'm picking on this guy because he's, and it seems unfair because he's won multiple six-man-of-the-year awards, uh, but, like, Jamal Crawford will come in and he's not necessarily efficient. He needs a lot of shots to do what he does. Lou Williams is shooting the ball terrifically this season. I don't know if you've got the percentages there. I think he's, he's shooting, shooting 45.4% from the field and 40% from the three-point Which line. is outstanding. And he gets to the free-throw line at will. He's one of the smartest guys in the league at drawing contact. And for a Laker team that has really had a lot of injuries recently and D'Angelo Russell still hasn't kind of taken that next step that everyone's expected him to do, um, I think he's been outstanding. Yeah. Now I think I think we can all agree on Lou. My other two guys have got Wilson Chandler, Mr. Do It All for the Denver yes. Nuggets, and yes. Zach Randolph, who it seems like coming off the bench has rejuvenated him. Have you got the same two guys? Yeah, I do. And um you mentioned Zebo, I think he gives Memphis this new dimension. You I talked about how uh, Fizz has kind of moved away from that grit and grind, two men up and down the post. Now this guy Randolph, he's able to bully bench units yeah. and do what he does best. And he's also added a three ball this year, which has been important for him. And Wilson Chandler, it's so great to see this guy back. And I think he's someone who could possibly be traded to he's a contender. He's probably the NBA's most hidden talent. Like, yeah. no one knows about this guy. And he does everything. He could make a massive difference yeah. on a contender. He is Mr. Do-It-All. That's why I like Mr. Do-It-All, Mr. Versatile. Yes. Moving on to our next award, the Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. An award that's always hard because there's always not a lot of numbers to quantify this. But I'm going with Rudy Gobert, number one. Yep. I'm going Draymond Green, number two. Yep. We're on Chris Paul, number three. Okay. Who have you got? So I've got Gobert and Green, one and two as well. Okay. So we can um, agree on those two. And I've got your boy Giannis. Oh, you got Giannis. I got Giannis. Okay. So I, I am showing Milwaukee fans. I don't hate Giannis. I'm showing them some love. I'm sorry. I forgot. I was wrong. Um, but yeah, he's he's Giannis is he's so big and so long. It's sometimes it's like as if he doesn't know what he's doing with his body, but it still works. <laughs> no, but he does know what he's doing. Just because he's so long and and so terrific, and I think I don't know if he still is at the moment. I'll have to have a look, but. He was averaging two blocks per game and two steals per game, which is very rare. Yeah. Um, so I had him third. Gobert's been as good as I've ever seen him. Um, as For a rim me, protector about this Gobert, year. the most amazing... You see, he's still a rim protector. He leads the league in blocks. Yeah. But it's the fact that, you know, we talk about offensive players and we say they can still... You see their greatness when they can still score when they're around less talent. Uh-huh. Well, look at this Utah team. They have been demoralized by injuries. Yep. They've had so many injuries. Gobert's been healthy, and he's still anchored that defense. Their defense has still been that same at that same excellent level because Gobert's been on the court. Yeah, like he is their rock. He keeps their defense afloat. You can only imagine how much better their defense is going to be. I mean, personally, I feel like an individual looks better in a defensive system when the team's playing better. Yep. So you can only imagine when Utah get fully healthy, how much better Rudy Gobert's individual oh, yeah. defense is going to look. Because at the moment, it looks pretty incredible to me. So I've got him number one. That, I mean, And he's a, he's not a... When we talk about defensive guys, and DeAndre's probably one guy that comes to mind here, we forget that um, 
that sometimes they can be a almost not a negative, but you know they're not exactly a positive on the offensive end. But Gobert, he doesn't need a lot of touches, but he's become an excellent uh, rim runner. Yeah, sixty-seven percent from the field. This week he had a game. Now they lost this game because they were depleted against the Warriors, where he was eight of eight from the field, twenty points and seventeen rebounds. So. He's awesome. He, yeah, he he he's so so good. And um, so is Draymond. I think we all know how good Draymond is defensively. Both good in number two. Yeah, he's so versatile in the way he he can switch everything. We all know how great he is. I think for me, with Draymond, it feels like he's playing for newfound aggressiveness on the off on the defensive end. Excuse yeah. me. It might be because he, he mentioned this publicly. He got really pissed off when people said their that, defense that would be worse yeah. without Bogut. So that adds a narrative. Of course, all these awards, and he's openly campaigned for this award. He yeah. wants, he wants this, he wants to win this. Like, yeah. he feels like he's been robbed the past two years by Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and people might agree. Last season, he probably should have won this. Yeah, and of course, um, having a narrative like that in yeah. all these awards help. People love a narrative. Draymond's got a narrative for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. In an award that's sometimes hard to get a good story. And he's got an awesome campaigner on Twitter, which is his mother. His, yeah. his mom, <laughs> if you guys don't follow uh, Draymond Green's mum on Twitter, at I think it's at Babas Green. Her literally her name, Twitter name is Dray Mum. Wow. <laughs> but, See, I've, I don't follow her, um, Draymond. Oh, you got to get on it. Get around she's that. really good. Like, she's very responsive to fans and stuff. If you want to have a good basketball chat, like, she will reply to you. Draymond Green's mum getting shout yeah. outs and love on the y- yes. SCN NBA podcast. And, but she's his biggest campaigner. And it's hey, maybe it'll work. Just quickly yeah. on Chris Paul, who I've got third. Yeah. Chris Paul would be the first, if, if he were to win the Defensive Player of the Year award, which I think he's got a good chance. Lee's a league in steals. He's six in defensive real plus minus. And the Clippers are 7.6 better defensive rating points with him on the court compared to off it. Off it. uh, Compared to off the court. Excuse me. He would be the first point guard to win the Defensive Player of the Year award since Gary Payton in 1995-1996. Wow. So that's that's how long this award has been dominated by big men and wings. Yeah. So I feel like Chris Paul's got a chance. You know, he's playing great defense. The Clippers play great defense as well. He's always been... He's always been an underrated defender for me. Like yeah. people talk about great, great point guard defense, and there's not many point guards who do. There's not many point guards nowadays who defend their opposite point guard. You know, teams are always hiding their point guard on on like wing players in the corner. But Chris Paul, every night almost, he he steps up and takes that challenge. So I think he definitely should be in there. Yeah, and our final award. GM of the year or executive of the year as yep. the correct term is. I've got um Daryl Morey from the yes, Houston Rockets number same. one. Yep. Dennis Lindsley from the Utah Jazz number two okay. and and Gar Foreman from the Chicago Bulls number three. Who have you got? So I've got Morey one as well. I got Chris Wallace from Memphis number two. And gotta give some love to David Griffin from Cleveland. Alright, so just three. really quickly here, we've spoken about the Rockets with Morey. I mean the moves he made this year with yeah. Dan Tony and Anderson and Gordon were great. Dennis Lindsley with Utah. He's built a roster that he's so versatile that they can withstand injuries. So I've got him number two. And with Foreman, I was really critical of the Bulls' moves. I thought they were bad. But he's come in, and he's proven that Jimmy Butler and D-Wade can work well they together. Can work, yeah. So that's why I've got him on the list. Yeah, so I had I had Wallace just because, um, obviously, the hiring of Fisdale is a, is a big move for me. And uh, Chandler Parsons hasn't played a lot this year, but... And also something underrated, he's had big guys go to free agency for the past two years and he's kept them in Memphis, which Memphis doesn't 
isn't a destination, and he's kept, kept Mark Gasol and and Mike Conley. Where if the one either one of those guys left, it, it would have almost been a instant rebuild. And David Griffin, I think it's more than what he's done this year. It's what he's done in the past few years since LeBron's come back. Um, obviously, acquisition of Channing Fry, the trade deadline, the year before that, J.R. Smith, Iman Trumpet, and Timothy Moskov. And then obviously acquiring Kevin Love and and LeBron James as well. So um, it's just more for what he has, has done previously. Yeah. yeah. So those are the guys that we think have dominated the league so far this year. Let's have a look at some of the players who have dominated this past week. On the SEN NBA podcast, the starting five. So if you're new to the show, what we do on the SEN NBA podcast is the starting five is our team of the week. And it's a carry-on. So each the teams carry on each week. We need to make a minimum of one change and a maximum of four changes. They're the guidelines. Now, of course, from this, we get the SCN NBA Podcast Player of the Year, which is the player that makes the most teams, wins our Player of the Year. Just a quick update on the leaderboard here for the SCN NBA Podcast Player of the Year. Kevin Durant is first on the leaderboard with five votes. Anthony Davis is second in third, all with two points, two votes apiece. LeBron James, DeMar DeRozan, Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. And on one vote, we have Dwight Howard, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Chris Saps, Porzingis, Kevin Love, Troy Daniels, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that's how the leaderboard looks at the moment. Now, for me, this is my team this week. So I've made four changes. I've made the maximum, the maximum. of four wow. changes. Just getting everyone out of there. Get yeah. Out. Just updating last week's team was... It's two guards and three forwards, the all-star yep. format. I had Westbrook, Troy Daniels, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis last week. Now, out of the team this week is Troy Daniels, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I've put in LeBron James, yep. Marcus Gasol, mm-hmm. James Harden, and Paul Millsap. Okay. What are the changes you have made? So I've actually taken out exactly the same four guys. Yep. And I've put in Kyle Lowry as a guard, yep. um, James, Gasol, and Kawhi Leonard. So you've got Lowry, Westbrook, James, Gasol, and Leonard. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So who do we disagree on there? So you're putting Kyle Lowry. I've put in James Harden. Okay. I feel like Harden, I mean, we've spoken about him previously in the podcast. He's looked so good. Yeah. Like, he's looked awesome. This past week, his point totals, 25, 21, 18, 36. Assist totals, 8, 12, 16, 11. He, he's rebounding, 8, 9, 9, 6. His shooting's been a bit down. So his shooting efficiency has been a bit down, but the Rockets 4-0 in yeah. that time. So I, that's why I like Harden over Lowry. Why, why, why do you take Lowry? I took Lowry, and you know, Luke, I've been very critical of the you Raptors. You don't like uh, the Raptors. Raptors and, and, um, and Lowry and DeRozan, but I have to show this guy some love. Um, Raptors are 3-0 in the past week. They're actually, I think they're only lost in about the past six, seven games has been to the Cavs. Um, but Lowry's shooting the ball amazingly. He shot in his past five games, 55% from the field, 55% from three, 87 from the free throw line. He's had games of 25 points, 11 rebounds against the Timberwolves, 34 points, seven, seven rebounds against uh, Boston, and a bit quiet, quieter game against the Bucks, 18 and seven, but again, shooting five and nine from the field, four threes, so, yeah, I, I just think he's been really um, efficient and really has played and has been the best point guard in, in the East. For, I like for this that week. arguing because of the efficiency. You know, Harden's been shooting the ball this week. He had a 57% shooting performance against the Lakers. Unbelievable. Yeah. But then 26 against the Thunder, 
33 against Dallas, 44 against the Nets. Yeah. So a bit up and down there. I like Lowry's shooting numbers there. I think we might lock in Lowry this week. So our two guards will be Lowry and Westbrook. Now, we both agree on LeBron and Gasol. I mean, yes. it's pretty obvious. Yep. They both won the play of the weeks in their respective conferences. LeBron this week averaged 32.5 points, shot 58.5% from the field, eight assists, which was second in the East, 7.8 rebounds, and 2.2 steals, tied for fourth in the yep. East. And of course, for those who missed it this excuse me, this week, he became the first player in NBA history to score 27,000 points, 7,000 rebounds, and 7,000 assists. That, that's unbelievable. Um, You've got to appreciate. We well, analyze the game so much. We're at this stage of LeBron's career where almost every game he breaks some sort of record or passes yeah. someone on some list. And and most of these records, when they happen, I, I they don't really take me by surprise. But this one did. Yeah. The so first it's almost a career, career 27-7-7 times 1,000, which is amazing. Like, I don't even... It's I incredible. Don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. Yeah. And I think for me, like, we analyze the game so much, which we've done for the last, like, 40 minutes here. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to appreciate the greatness. Yeah. Like, just flat out, we have an all-time great at our feet. Let's just watch and appreciate everything he leaves out on the court. Yep. Mark Gasol, we talked about the Grizzlies earlier. We said Gasol was an MVP candidate, which he probably is. This past week, 27.3 points, fourth in the West, 10 rebounds, 5.3 assists, and 1.5 blocks. He's been absolutely awesome. So those two guys are locked in. And on the final forward spot, we disagreed. I've put in Paul Millsap. You've put in Kawhi Leonard. Yep. Now, I've put in Millsap. This is a bit interesting. Mm. Millsap's only played two games this week. But for me... He's returning from a hip injury. He mm-hmm. missed about three to four games. And in his return games, right, he's gone up 21 points, nine rebounds, two assists, three blocks, and four steals, and shot 66% in a win over Miami. Mm-hmm. Then he followed that up with a winning Milwaukee. He had 23 points, 14 rebounds, six assists, three blocks, one steal, and he shot 53% from the floor. Okay. So for me, this guy's doing it all. Do it all, like, yeah. Like, that's, okay. that line against Miami of four steals and three blocks was unbelievable. That's crazy, yeah. So that's why I've got Millsap because he's doing the lot. Who have you got? Oh, you got Kawhi. I, I've got, got Kawhi. Kawhi. So again, the Spurs, they just keep rolling on and just keep winning. And Kawhi's in the center of that. And um, we saw Matt Moore from CBS had this article about Kawhi's so good defensively that teams are just, whoever's guarding being guarded by Kawhi. They're just putting him in the corner, take him out of the play. Um, and I don't think we've ever seen that on the defensive end, like a player being taken out like that. And on the other end, he just continues to take... Uh, his game grows every, almost seemingly every game. Now, in the last week, he's had... In a win against the Timberwolves, 31 points, 11 of 15 from the floor, 24, 8 and 5 in a loss to the Bulls. Uh... 10 of 19 from the field in a win against Brooklyn, 30 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 10 of 18 from the field. So he's averaging 25, 5 and 2, shooting 47% from the field these past five. So that that's why I picked Kawhi. Yeah. It's a tough one. I think we might switch the difference here. I mean, if your guy in the guards, I think we're going to stick with my guy in the forwards. Oh. I, think, I think we're going to stick with Millsap. All right. Okay. I, I've, I love Paul Millsap. I love his efficiency. <laughs> So, so good. We, we're keeping Millsap this week. Who knows? Maybe that changes next week. Maybe Kawhi gets a spot next week. Maybe Troy Daniels comes back. Maybe Troy... <laughs> hey, you don't get in on a name basis here. That, that's it. On the starting five. If you play good that past week... We're putting you in. You're putting you on so the team. So play good. You better so play, play good. good and you get on this team. Now, those are the guys who have been really good this week. I just want to quickly touch on before we finish up here. 
someone who, a team and someone who kind of needs to, they need some joy in their life. Okay. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. Now, this one might surprise a few people because the LA Lakers have been pretty good this season. You know, yes. they've gotten off yep. to a, for their standards, a great start. You know, they've installed a culture there of winning and it's been awesome. We know how good they've been. Well, I was watching their game against the Sacramento Kings the other day and their coach, Luke Walton, who's had a massive, massive reason why they're so good. He's come in there, he's formed great relationships with the players and he's the reason, well, one of the main reasons they're playing so fun basketball that's so fun to watch. Well, Luke Walton was ejected with 4-14 left in the first quarter in what turned out to be a 116-92 loss to Sacramento Kings, the Lakers' seventh loss in a row. He was ejected because he got really frustrated with the referees after no foul was called when DeMarcus Cousins shoved Julius Randle to the floor. Those two, of course, have history with each other. Now, in his playing career, Luke Walton was never ejected. So this was his first ever ejection <laughs> wow. in NBA floor. Now, I was going to say to Luke, I mean... I know you get angry. Like a coach is a, it's a stressful job. It's a frustrating job at times. And I know you can get angry at officials, but look, your team is playing good basketball. Yeah. You don't have to get this angry at them, you know? Just there's no need to be upset. There's no need to be this angry at the referees when they make a bad call. So but the man's allowed to release some frustration, is. Luke. He know? is, but I, I was watching He's never it. been angry in his life, yeah, man. Yeah, but Come he looks so angry, and it made me sad to see someone so happy be so angry. <laughs> so I just wanted to send a positive message to Luke Walton just to say, Luke, don't worry about it. <laughs> Let it slide. It was a bad loss. It was a bad day. The Lakers are good again. Still in LA, yeah. man. You're, You're still, still in, in LA. LA. Life's good. Yeah. So, Luke Olsen, just looking the bright side of life. And that brings us to the end of the show. Chris, uh, it was a pleasure today. And I made it. I don't know how the yeah. hell I made it. My hanky is wet as hell. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people would love to hear that. He, he, he was hey, a trooper today. We keep it real. He was a trooper. Chris, where can we find all your stuff? Uh, I'm uh, at Believe the Hype NBA, yeah. um, which is, sorry, B- BT Hype NBA. Great Russell Westbrook column. Uh, thank you. I appreciate week. it. Yeah. Um, and my Twitter is CDeSilver23. How about yours, mate? You can find me on Twitter at Luke Sakari. You got all my NBA coverage for SCN America. Um, you got all NBL coverage, WNB coverage, a whole heap of stuff on Twitter at Luke Sakari. At Luke Sakari, excuse me. Check it out if you disagree with anything I said on this past 45 minutes. And we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.